Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. Today is Monday, November 19th. It's Mailbox Monday. And man, I've got a whole bunch of questions to get to today. I'm going to try to get to three of them. We're going to be talking a little bit about some sort of uh, hot topic items that are out in the culture today about when do we know it's right to leave a church. And the next question comes from a person who wants to know, should Christians stay silent? Should we get involved in politics? Should we make our voices be heard. And if I have time, the last question today centers around how do we protect our children when we have family members uh, who have kids that are walking in sin, uh, struggling with their identity? Do we expose our kids to that kind of stuff or not? Wow, those are some deep questions. Stick around. Let's talk about it. you guys have been so amazing. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for every one of you. Leaving reviews at iTunes is such a blessing to us, and I know a lot of you have asked how you can support us. That's one of the ways you can do it. I thought I would read a couple of the reviews that are coming out on iTunes, and uh, I and I just want to say again, thank you so much. This person came from a person who I can't, I don't understand your name. It looks like nickname, 2009. She said, Heidi is the best. She has totally encouraged me to get off the bench and on to the battlefield. It's so incredible to see a generation of moms taking up their spiritual weapons to combat the enemy. And I know he is shaking his boots every time I turn on this podcast. Thank you, Heidi, for giving me the tools to join in the fight. That made me a hundred different kinds of happy. I... I look and review every single one of these reviews that you leave over at iTunes. Uh, here was another one, highly recommended to any mom or dad who wants to hear advice based on God's truth. Our culture is so saturated with shallow and untrue statements. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and confused by all the, quote, advice. So thank you, Heidi, for leading by the Holy Spirit to challenge and encourage your listeners to get back to the Bible and stand firm in faith. I enjoy the wide range of topics and look forward to your kind voice every week. Thank you so much, SBF in Virginia, for that. I really appreciate it. Um, I have a, a passion. I mean, literally, my heart is on fire for this generation of parents, mothers in particular, to encourage you off the bench and onto the battlefield. And the way that we do that is by knowing the Word of God. The Bible Bible says that we are called to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And I think sometimes, you know, we can dance around topics and wonder if this or wonder if that. But the bottom line is if we don't just cut right to the right to the meat of what's going on and get rid of all the fluff around it and stop being afraid to engage the culture, we're going to continue to lose ground in the culture. So I want to say thank you to everyone who's praying for us and supporting this ministry. If you're wondering how you can support the ministry, and I hope that you are, one of the best ways to do that is is to join me at MomStrong International. You can become a member there. We are actually getting ready to make a couple of changes in the price structure there, and this is a great time for you to get in on what it is right now. It's basically $2 a week. You'll get a fantastic Bible study right now. We're going through the book of Job and uh, gonna be studying a little bit in Second Peter. We're talking about how to find blessing in the midst of suffering. And I know a lot of you have been wrestling that down to the ground. Every time something happens in the culture and the church responds by saying that they pray about it. The culture has become more and more caustic toward Christians who believe that there is power in prayer. And I want to encourage you, don't listen to them. There is power in prayer. There is. 
And in fact, that's where the atomic power is. That's where the most amazing power in the universe is. It's by accessing the living God. It's by getting down on our knees and talking to him and inviting him into our situations. And I want to just encourage you to do that. All right, I'm going to hop into Mailbox Monday. This is one of my favorite days of the week here at the podcast. And I'm going to try to address three questions today, depending on how my time goes. If you would like a question answered here at the podcast, shoot me an email, uh, podcast at thebusymom.com. So the first question I'm going to answer today comes from a listener who wants to know when or if it is ever right to leave a church. And this is what she said. Heidi, my husband and I were consulted by a Christian counselor almost three years ago about some unbiblical practices in our church's counseling ministry. And once we became aware of this aspect, it was like the blinders were taken off and we began seeing and hearing things that we felt were unhealthy and dishonoring God in the church as a whole. Truthfully, we go back and forth between feeling prompted to leave and extending grace, trying to, quote, be the change in the church. Lastly, if we do feel convicted to separate from our current church home, how would we go about leaving the church appropriately? We don't take this decision to leave lightly, and we would appreciate your opinion on this difficult issue. First of all, this is a difficult issue. If you're involved in your church and it pains you to leave it, I think that's a good thing because it says that you love the people that are there. That said, the Bible calls us to be discerning. And in fact, the Bible has a lot to say about being discerning, particularly when it comes to who you are allowing to influence you in your walk with the Lord. The Bible says that we need two things in our walk with God, and they should be impacting every aspect of our lives. And those two things are wisdom and discernment. These are the gifts that we should be praying for and asking God for on a daily basis. Solomon got this, right? King Solomon was considered the wisest man that ever lived. Why? Because he asked God for wisdom instead of anything else for his kingdom. And as a result of his pleasing request, God gave him the riches and fame uh, that he asked for. And we want to be doing that. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. And this is a great place to start this discussion because it sounds to me like your discernment radar has gone off and you recognize that something is happening in your church that doesn't please the Lord. And can I tell you right now that there are many, many, many churches in the culture that are going to suffer the wrath and judgment of God when Christ returns. Uh, especially teachers. The Bible is very clear about holding teachers to a higher standard and to a higher account. And if you're going to a church where you know they are doing something that goes against God's word, definitely bring it up to your church leadership. And if they don't change, leave. I know, no one wants to do that. It's tough. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm telling you what, especially if you're raising children in that church, it's like missionary dating, right? One of the things that my husband, who was a, uh, he was in a rock and roll band that he started years ago, and they toured up and down the West Coast in particular. And one of the songs that he wrote all those years ago that was the most popular was called Missionary Dating. And what we were trying to do was encourage the young people, the teenagers in our area, you don't date someone who's not walking with the Lord. Why? Because eventually it's going to trip you up. And I and I feel in a little bit like this is a sort of similar thing. It's like missionary dating church edition, right? So we're going to a church that we know is not pleasing the Lord. We know that we know that the things that they're teaching are grieving God, but we stay because we think we're going to make it better, or 
because we don't want to make waves. And I, I don't get that you don't want to make waves, but I do think that you're wondering if you're the one who's supposed to be the change. First of all, it's the pastor who's supposed to be the change in that church. And it sounds to me like he's not doing what God would want him to do. But I don't think that it's appropriate to leave without at least giving it your best shot. In other words, uh, go to your leadership team. Tell them what you're observing. Say, hey, this is what's going on. It, it doesn't please the Lord. Come to them with scripture, not with opinion. Come to them with scripture and see how they respond. And if they respond in such a way that you realize, okay, they're, they're not going to listen, you are responsible for your walk with the Lord. And I actually am really blessed that you're thinking so, so critically about this, particularly as to how you might separate from your church. And here's, let me tell you how you don't do it as a pastor's wife. For many, many years, my husband was a, was a worship pastor and, uh, we saw lots of people come and go out of our churches. And I will say this also as a pastor's wife, it is painful when people leave your church. And sometimes they leave for no good reason. And sometimes they leave with good reason. And any way you slice it, it hurts, right? Because churches are families. That's what we're supposed to be like. That's all right. But the way you don't leave is by slandering the ministry on social media. The way that you don't leave is by sending rude emails to your pastor, leave in a way that honors the Lord. Leave in a way that doesn't bring further division into the body of Christ. Your leaving will make a statement, I promise you. So prayerfully ask the Lord, Lord, is this what you want us to do? And then show us how to do it. God will show you. God will show you. One of the things that that we need so desperately in the culture right now is the eyes to see what's really happening, and then the courage to make a change. The courage to make a change. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. And Paul's prayer here was really for all the Christians in Philippi, as well as for the other Christians that would eventually read his epistle. He wanted them to be filled with love and knowledge and discernment. Because he knew that as young followers of Christ, they needed the guiding of the Holy Spirit as well as an extra measure of discernment in spiritual matters. And this is a spiritual matter. What's happening in your church sounds like it may very well not be pleasing the Lord. And God will show you what he wants you to do. So go before him in prayer. And then if the Lord asks you to leave, and he very well may ask you to do that, then the next question is, Lord, how can we leave you in a way that, how can we leave the church that we are attending in a way that honors the Lord and does not dishonor him. Because at the end of the day, that's what this is about. It's the reputation of the Lord Jesus on the line. And we want to be careful. All right, the next question comes from uh, Alana. And she said, Heidi, recently, my friend and her husband, one of the pastors in our church, were denied the ability to foster children in our city because he's a Christian. The CPS stated that the family's beliefs don't line up with CPS. Hmm. Moment of silence. So frustrating. Anyway, I love my church, but Canadians are extremely passive people. Well, listen, uh, I have some family members who are Canadian, and I agree with you. (laughs) They are very passive people, which frankly is a large part of the reason why Canada is in the condition 
that it's in. She goes on to say, in listening to your podcast, however, I wish that this family and our church would respectfully make some noise about what's happening. Perhaps we could write to the local member of parliament or something, or even lawyer up. I don't know. Anyway, the council of most of my church tribe is that this kind of thing is no surprise. They say persecution is here. It is what it is. It won't change anything. And causing a stink won't make a difference. Hey, tell that to the pilgrims. Tell that to the men and women who fought the Revolutionary War. Tell that to the people who abolished slavery. They say saw, they saw something was wrong and they didn't just say, well, it is what it is. They stepped out and they did something about it. Uh, she, this letter says, goes on to say, I used to agree with this, but after listening to you, I'm not so inclined. I feel like something should be done. I'm not sure. And of course, it's up to the family who's been wronged, but shouldn't the church be equipping them for action? Okay, I'm not even going to keep reading your letter because I'm so fired up about this, Alana. Yes, yes. You, the church should be equipping them for action. We start with prayer and then we move to put feet to our faith. We put feet to our faith. Uh, there's a lot of people who believe that Christians should not be become involved in politics, but politics is an outworking of what will affect us as a nation. And what affects you as a nation in Canada is the fact that you have a prime minister, uh, uh, Trudeau, in there right now, who I'm sorry is acting as a very wicked leader. It's true. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but that's absolutely what's happening up there. And uh, I want to just encourage you because there's a, there's a room, I think, for a broad uh, number of opinions on this topic. My opinion, obviously, is that we should be involved in the government because the government is invariably involved with us. It is. Uh, I saw a great article at Focus on the Family, and I'm going to quote from it a little bit here today. It says, being salt and light in this age means contending responsibly for godly standards wherever they are under assault. This is from Tom uh, Minery. There is no escaping the mixture of religion and politics because nearly every law is the result of somebody's judgment about what is good and what is bad. That's from Tom Minery from a book called Why You Can't Stay Silent, a Biblical Mandate to Shape Our Culture that was uh, published by Tyndale, who's also, in full disclosure, my publisher. Uh, in 2001. I'll link back to that in the show notes today. Uh, The article goes on to say, some Christians are wary of involvement in politics and government, either because they don't like the way some other Christians have done it in the past or because they find politics to be corrupt. Well, both of those things are true, right? Uh, I don't like the way some Christians have done it in the past, and I would say politics right now is corrupt. But the answer to that is not for good people to pull out. But the purpose of government as God created it is a noble one. Listen to what Chuck Colson wrote in God and Government. The state was instituted by God to restrain sin and promote a just social order. Western political thought often mistakenly assumes that the role of government is determined solely by the will of the people. The biblical reality is different. On the eve of his execution, Jesus told Pilate that he held his office of political authority only because it had been granted to him by God. The Apostle Paul spoke of civil authority as, quote, God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Peter used similar language, saying that governments were set by God to, quote, punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. That was Chuck Colson. Wow. 
powerful stuff. The state was created for limited purposes, of course, and while it can't redeem the world or be used as a tool to establish the kingdom of God, civil government does set boundaries for human behavior, Colson went on to say. The state is not a remedy for sin, but a means to restrain it. And that is absolutely right. So people say, well, you're trying to institute a theocracy by Christians coming into government. No, nothing could be further from the truth. There won't be a theocracy because this world belongs to the prince of the power of the air. What we're trying to do is enter into the system of government that we have as a way to restrain evil. And sometimes the government doesn't do its job. And sometimes it does the opposite. Sometimes it promotes sin, moment of silence, instead of restraining it. And I, you're going to hear me get fired up about this because it frustrates me to no end to hear Christians who moan and complain about what's happening, but they're unwilling to step out onto the battlefield. And then we use religion as a means to stay silent. And we need to start uh, looking at what God wants us to do. The government can actively undermine our moral foundations. And in those times especially, and that's certainly what's happening now in many places around the country, we have to pay attention to what the government is doing because we live with the results of its actions. Michael Gerson and Peter Werner wrote in The City of Man, political acts have profound human consequences. It makes a very great difference whether people live in freedom or servitude whether government promotes a culture of life or a culture of death, whether the state is a guardian or an enemy of human dignity. And they went on to say, laws express moral beliefs and judgments, like throwing a pebble into a pond, the waves ripple around. They tell citizens what our society ought to value and condemn. That is not all that laws do, but it is among the most important things that they do. Suppose that next year, All 50 states decide to legalize marijuana and cocaine, prostitution, and same-sex marriage. Regardless of where you stand on these issues, do you doubt that if such laws stayed in effect for 50 years, they would fundamentally alter our views, including our moral views of these issues? No, of course they would. And Christians are anything but helpless. And I want to speak directly to my friends in Canada right now. I have been up in Canada several times speaking this last year, and I hear the frustration in your voices. And can I just encourage you, your voices need to be heard. Ask the Lord how you can get involved. Uh, People who are in government right now who are persecuting Christians are literally banking on your silence. They're counting on the fact that you're going to be quiet and you're going to go home and just go, well, I guess this is just the way it is. And I just want to encourage you away from that position and to a position of action to bring accountability and restraint to a government that is out of control. Christians are anything but helpless in Western civilization. You have not only a right, a God-given right, God has given you that freedom. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Uh, Tom Minnery also points out that you have a responsibility. I'm going to one more quote from his amazing book, and then I'm going to uh, wrap this up because we're almost out of time. And I'll get to your next, that third question next month, next Monday. He said, unlike the Roman Empire in the first century, our country is a participatory republic. I'm going to read that again because I keep hearing people say, you know, we don't, we don't have to vote and this is just the way it is. No, unlike the Roman Empire, 
When the Bible was written, they didn't have a participatory, uh, participatory republic like the United States of America and Canada and England. We have an obligation to make our voices heard and to get involved in dialogue. Our government is literally asking us as citizens to participate, not merely just to shut up and obey. And in the United States, we the people means Christians as well as non-Christians. Submission in our political system includes being willing to contribute to the political process, not withdraw from it. And whether or not you're frustrated uh, by the things that President Trump has to say, can I just encourage you to pray for him? He is the most pro-life president that we have had in office in 45 years. I am disgusted by the way I see Christians treating him. Pray for him. Pray for the people that are around him. He needs your prayers. He needs your support. And you know what? We have an opportunity to actually let our voices be heard. Do I like everything that President Trump says? No, sometimes I'm just like, you know, cringing. But honestly, you guys, policy-wise, I'm putting my MAGA hat on. Yes, take the embassy to Jerusalem. Yes, affirm adoption as a fantastic option for parents. Yes, stand for the protection of the unborn. You can bet that in the next two days, he is going to be hassled and attacked and persecuted. And I don't think he's being persecuted because of his brashness. I think he's being persecuted because God is using him. And I know that's going to make some of you mad, but I, 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 I'm watching what's happening. And when he started running for office, I I remember telling my husband, I'm a, uh, I've met uh, Ben Carson out on the road many times. I have tremendous respect for him. He was kind of my guy. I was going to vote for him. When he dropped out of the race, and endorsed President Trump, I looked at my husband and I said, dude, the world is on fire. But like I've said many times on the podcast, I would have voted for Mickey Mouse to keep a woman who would abort a baby at nine months gestation out of the highest office in the land. If it grieves the heart of God, men and women, it should grieve us. We're not looking for perfect people. It'd be nice if we had moral people, people who we could, you know, rub up against and say, hey, you know, I hung out with so-and-so and he's amazing. But I'm amazed at the uh, the condemnation that comes from Christians in this nation. I understand your angst, but I don't understand withdrawing from the process. So uh, I know that was kind of a, a, a weighty answer and a weighty t- a subject, but it comes in here all the time. And I thought, you know what? It's November. Let's talk about it. So I hope you guys are encouraged. Don't get too mad. If you've got questions that you'd like to ask me, feel free to shoot me an email, podcast at thebusymom.com. And also I'd love to hear your reviews. You can leave them over at iTunes. Just click on the little gear shift. You can click on the stars and also leave a written review. And I will be choosing some of those to read, hopefully if I remember, uh, on Monday. So I hope you guys are encouraged. Get off the bench and onto the battlefield. If you haven't picked up a copy of Becoming MomStrong or joined us over at MomStrong International, I would encourage you to do that, we are in the business of training up a new generation to walk in right relationship with the Lord. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and I'll see you back here on Wednesday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.